do it, folks. Sometimes you just gotta sit on back and enjoy the moment. White denim. You don't have to be a movie star. Off their 2016 album, Stiff. <laughs> song is called Take It Easy. Everlasting Love. Made a few exceptions on some lonely nights. Oh, good lord. Haven't we all? <laughs> Haven't we all? And joining me this evening, 84, as you might know him. Some of you might know him as Clay. Some of you might know him in his, you know, basketball days as the Hammer. Hammer. But I like to call him Southern Wood. How you doing, Mr. Wood? I'm good. How are you, Joey? I'm good. I am tired. Are, are you just kind of in a funk, like out of whack this week? I am. Because, and I really think, you know, we are so programmed. Yes. And, and we have our schedules where we get up at a certain time and do a certain thing every yes. single cotton-picking day. And, and then when you have a holiday week, and you miss a Monday. Yes, I just feel I, I just feel weird Off. today. Yeah. It's Wednesday. I feel that way. I mean, there's you know two days until the weekend. Yeah, and I even worked last week. I was on call last weekend, and I don't know. It just it really messes you up. It, well, and also it wasn't like I just sat around the house this weekend. The four day weekend I took, taking Friday off, I get out of the city at like nine. Get to D.C. pretty quick. Only like an hour and 40 minute flight. They got us there early. So props to American Eagle and American Airlines and the Montgomery Airport. Um, And then immediately start hanging out with the guys. And we're, it's amazing. You know, I've learned not to, all the time, sometimes I still fall into this trap, drink to excess. But if you're sitting there with a group of guys you hadn't seen in a while or even people you don't know, and once a couple of beers are had everybody's talking and getting to know each other it is a true social lubricant and so we're getting to talking and how's your life going how's your life going it was great seeing a lot of guys at this bachelor party i went to i hadn't seen in a while and everybody's doing really well it's awesome to see that yeah uh, but saturday morning after kind of living it up friday night and I was slightly hungover, not the the, the, abil- the debilitating yeah. kind of hangover, but just, you know, your head's a little heavy, <laughs> a little more extra congestion in the morning. We went to a place in Virginia and uh, did some shooting with uh, sporting clays at different stations, different stands on this large property. It was so much fun. I hadn't done that in years. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, you know, I'm an Alabama boy. I might look like a dirty hippie. I might look like a, you know, a prissy guy. But I was taught this by my dad when I was younger. We used to shoot clays, and uh, I picked it up pretty quickly. I mean, yeah. I wasn't, like, hitting every damn clay. Not every, everybody wasn't either. I mean, some of the stands were tough, really tough. But that was just a nice way to kind of wake up in the morning and get through the day. And then, even though I'm an Auburn boy, and I watched the Auburn game, got a midday, Everybody else were Alabama graduates. It's mostly how they knew each other. And so we went to the Alabama Alumni Bar. Oh, I bet that was a joy. It was actually a lot of fun. You know, sometimes that scene can be a little rowdy um, when people, you know, start drinking a lot of alcohol. But there was an energy in the room that was perfect. Everybody was a perfect kind of happy drunk Everybody was sharing food, sharing drinks, talking up one another. It was just a good time. 
And you know, I think, and I think that's something. I've been in a, a similar situation. It, if you get out of the state of Alabama or out of your circle of friends, yeah, it it is it is a lot of fun. I've I've been to uh, gatherings with LSU people, yeah, and oh, yeah. with Alabama people, completely separate from my inner circle of friends that yeah. don't know me, and it is a lot of fun you when you do it that way see because what it's, it's like. just yeah. yeah, it's just fans being fans, and it, it's none of that back I and forth. Always love LSU fans because of the time when I was a rickshaw driver during Auburn football Saturdays. I was riding around, you know. You drove a rickshaw yeah. at Auburn? And the way it worked is there wasn't a set price. It was like, I'll take you there, but just know we're only pay- paid in tips, so please be generous. And this one guy at a LSU tailgate on the off, you know, right outside of uh, the Haley Center, he just spotted me. He goes, you! And I stopped for a second because I didn't have anybody in the rickshaw in the wagon. And he goes, I like you. Like, yeah? He goes, here's $175. I'm like, do you want me to take you somewhere? He said, nah, man. You're just doing good work today. Like, I love LSU fans. (laughs) Go Tigers. Thank you for the $175, sir. And that's Mm G-E-A-U-X, Tigers. Go Tigers. Yeah, that was awesome. I was like, I'll I'll take you somewhere. No, man, you're good. I've had a pretty good time with LSU fans. Uh, I've really never, and I've I've been to many, many uh, ball games, and, and I've really never gotten into it with yeah, I with, like with anybody. I mean... I'm not the fighting kind. I, I'm a lover. Well, well it's not just that. I don't take it that seriously. Right. Uh, that probably the worst experiences. I did have a bad experience in Baton Rouge, mm. uh, but it was a drunk chick, and I mean, well, she was just drunk. It's just drunk. People. You know. And, well, now, I will say, I went to the Alabama-LSU game that was a real low-scoring game years ago, but it was, it was heated. Both of them were kind of in the running for the, the national championship. The 9-6 game? Yes, mm-hmm. in, in Tuscaloosa. And that was a fun game to watch with everybody, but when that game was over, there was a vibe out in the humid air of there are going to be some fights tonight. Mm-hmm. That was a heated vibe because how close the game was, how it was played, how late it was. It was a late night game, and whenever there's a late night game, it means everybody's liquored just, up. Yeah, they're drunk, <laughs> and you know people get prideful, especially dudes get the testosterone going along with the alcohol, and things happen. Yeah. You get jawing at somebody, and it escalates. Georgia fans can be pretty bad too. Uh, now yeah. Tennessee fans actually, are just in my experience, terrible. I agree with you. I'm, I don't like to you know paint with a broad brush any group or for any reason, but uh, in my experience, I haven't loved hanging out with Georgia fans other than you know the chairman, Mr. Mowry. I like him. Yeah, and and that that kind of tears me because I do. I like Dave, but mm-hmm. but I mean other than well, I've, I do have another very close friend that's Georgia. Uh, dude, and uh, but other than them two people, I can't think of anybody from Georgia that I really care anything about. But to tell you the truth, but you're right. I'm out of my routine. Um, and I'm yeah, and it just dragging today. It it messes you up. It, it really does. But uh, have you, how long has it been since you've gone golfing? I have the next time that I go golfing will be the first time. That's what we did on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. After the festivities of the Bama game, the Bama Alumni Bar, and I did all right. I mean, I hadn't swung a golf club in eight years, so I sucked. But I had knocked off a few good drives. I was like, okay, all right, I'm learning. My short game is terrible. I can't putt worth a flip. But uh, then, out of that, after golfing, we only survived 14 holes because everybody was like, we're done. Especially after the partying heavy the night before. We go and check into the MGM National, which is uh, technically in Maryland, but my buddy had gotten a suite on the 21st or 20th floor, and we're overlooking, you know, you can see D.C., like you can see the Washington Monument in the distance, and uh, I lost money, but I planned on it. I said, I I will lose this amount of money, and after that, I'm done, and I, I did lose that amount of money. It was my first time in a legit casino. And uh, it was I've fun. never been in a casino either. It's the energy is nut. It, there's a little bit of sadness, 
it's it's kind of sad. You see a lot of people who are there way too often. But also, like, when you throw down... Six was the old lady there with the cigarette? Yeah. Dragging the oxygen yes, tank behind there was her. the guy who needed the wheelchair to get up to the roulette table. It was <laughs> sad in some ways. But there's something about that energy of, like, I'm putting $60 on black, baby. And, like, seeing that little ball go around the wheel. Or, like, when you know you're, you're putting out kind of a risky bet in blackjack. And you're like, oh... And even when you lose, it's kind of like, hmm, I could do one more. The adrenaline rush, I get why people like gambling. Yeah. Now, I wish I had more money to play with because, and that's why I stopped. I set a limit and like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, go and, beyond And that. see, I think that is why that I never have done it. Now, I, I, I play cards, but it's just quarter ante stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you're not, you're not going to go broke playing quarter ante. And, uh, but I think that is one thing. It's weird the way that my mind works. I know how addictive my personality is. Yes. And I know the feeling when when you're playing cards and if you run a good bluff and you take, you know, 20 bucks off the table bluffing or you've actually got the hand and you're pretending you're bluffing and you whatever the situation is it is a rush when that happens and when you get into like real money five dollar slots or something like that no or you know getting on a blackjack table in a casino i i I frighten myself enough because Mm -hmm. i'm cheap enough that you get mesmerized though it's i mean it's it's hard for me to earn money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I earn you work hard my money. Right. I mean, it's so hard for it, honey. Yeah. So, you know, maybe if if I was just independently wealthy with a bunch to spend, I probably would lose it all. I mean, yeah. like Charles Barkley. <laughs> I'd go lose 50 grand in a night, but... Uh, well, at least you'll get comped. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'd have a very nice hotel but room. I realized I had a 755 in the morning flight. So I was like, well, it's already 2 in the morning. I better not go to sleep right now. So I kind of just pulled an all-nighter. I slept at the gate. I slept on the plane. Got back in one piece. And it was a it was a good time. But I am dog-tired. But one thing that weekend and made me realize, and I'm thinking about it because of something I watched last night, is how much of life is mental. Like, in between the ears. Like, you can say, I'm tired, so I'm not going to exercise. Or, I'm tired, I'm not going to do the thing I'm supposed to do. Whether it's some stupid chore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, like, oh, I haven't I haven't shot a shotgun in, like, ten years. Or, I haven't played golf in eight years. I'm going to be terrible at this. Like, well, so is everybody else, number one. If you're worried about it's social embarrassment, social stigma, yeah, most people are going to be terrible at things they haven't done in a while. So, there's no shame in it. But, also, like... Shooting uh, a sporting class. It all kind of rushed back to me and came back to me. It was like, oh, just be in the zone. It's all mental. Uh, and with exercise, that's what I was watching last night. Uh, you know, I'm doing this DDPY. It's called yoga, technically. But it's much more than that. And it's not really... I've looked up actual yoga. This is different. Um, but what's so great about that program is the emphasis on the mental thing. Like, in okay, if you your body literally is broken, you can take it easy, make it your own. But if you push yourself and you reach a plateau, push further. And there's always somewhere to go with it. And, like, this morning, I think I pushed myself too hard. But it it's almost a mental clarity thing in the morning. It's not like I'm sitting there just breathing and meditating. It's like, no, wake up, do this workout, and you're, the rest of the day's ahead of you. And I always feel great after I get done. In the middle of it sometimes, like 25 minutes in, I'm like, God, I want to stop. But you keep pushing and you feel good for accomplishing something in the morning. Yeah, and I, the the human mind is, is, I guess, it's got to be the most powerful force on the planet. Yes. Is oh, the absolutely. human mind. Because you can you can force yourself to do things. I mean, whether it's uh you know, we're talking about you being out of whack because you're you're it's your computer and you're getting out of whack by doing 
things that it's not supposed to be doing. Right. And uh, but you know, and I think you get so tired because your brain is trying to cram so much activity into. Hey, I never get a day off. I've got four straight days off. Let me see how much. I remember when we went to uh, Disney World. It's amazing how many miles you can walk in seven days. Right. It is unbelievable in what you can accomplish. And uh, But the, the mind, you can, and that's what, uh, you know, I've learned and I try to, to, you know, get my children to learn is if you ever tell yourself, I can't do that, then you can't. That's mm. period. End of story, it's over. If you tell yourself, there's no way I can do that, then you're 100%. That is the one positive statement anybody can make if you ever say, I can't do that. You know, the, then you can't. The quote DDP always throws out during the workouts, and he uses it in all his interviews. It's one of his favorite quotes from Henry Ford. You say you can, or you say you can't, you're right. Exactly. And I, and, and that's, I even have issue with... Well, I'm going to try my best. No, don't try your best. Just do it, it goes back. There's an old saying, and whether it's true or not, it's still a wonderful saying. Bear Bryant and at the Alabama-Tennessee game, Tennessee had a defensive lineman that was killing the offense. Mm. He was, I mean, like every third tackle he was making, blowing the uh, offensive guard, just blowing him up. And he grabs the guy by the shoulder pads, and he says, Son, I want you to get in there, and I want you to block number 73. And the the Alabama player looks at Coach Bryant and says, Yes, sir, I'll do my best. As he's running on the field, Coach Bryant grabs him by the back of his shoulder pads and yanks him on the ground and says, Get back on the bench. And he says, I thought you just told me to go in the game. Why? Why? He said, do you not understand that guy out there is trying his best? I told you, go in the game and block number 73. Yeah. I didn't say try your best. Said do that the job. nothing. Block him. Yeah. And and if you think about that, there's a lot of substance to that. There is, is. Do it. Well, I mean, whatever it takes, get the job done. What is it Yoda says to Luke Skywalker? There is no try. Do or do not. That And that's, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. No, because that's that's it can be a Joey. It can turn into a cop out that well, well, I, I tried. I tried. Yeah, yeah but did my you best really? effort is is a refuge for a lot of it, people who are actually lazy. Thank and I'm, you. And again, and it's a shirt I'm going to make. But I'm looking in the mirror when I say a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I tried my best, which is really just an excuse you give yourself when you know you didn't push yourself the hardest. Now, if you genuinely push yourself really hard and say it's like a football game, which a Catholic we did and I did, and you didn't win, you fail, you lose. Good day, sir. <laughs> then. You can say to yourself, okay, I laid it out all, all on the line. If it's true, it means something. But it, I think this just A for effort. That's a different way to put it. I hate that crap. Uh-uh. No. Because that, that's, that's not how that's, it works. That's garbage. And in, 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 in my 40, God help me make it to next Wednesday, will be 45 years of my life, two times of my life. And I remember both times. I have tried my best and failed. That's the only two times that I really tried. Now, I have failed many times. I can't count that many. But the two times that I really did try my best and I still failed, I still remember. And I don't think I'm very different than most other people out there. I'm Mm. not that special. I'm I'm really not. I wanted to bring this up about not necessarily being special. But uh, genuine privileges and things we don't think about where because of your family or maybe your friends or maybe it's something you did on kind of a whim and it, it, it snowballs. The momentum that creates the habits in our lives, 
that once you start in a good direction, it's easier to take another step in a good direction. And if you take a wrong turn, whether it's your own fault or not, it's really difficult to get back on the right path. It's actually easier to go another bad decision and another bad decision and another bad decision. And sometimes I really feel for people who probably sometimes their own fault, but then outside forces where they're so stuck and patterns of behavior, they're just self-destructive. And I've felt that way about myself, where it's like you have a voice in your head and you try to own it and direct that voice in your head. But you realize that it, even though you, you control the voice, you don't control your habits. The re- you're so the inertia of your habits control you. And so it's very difficult. You could say, here's the right thing, son or daughter or whatever. But even a, that person understands it, like understands the logic. And mm-hmm. yes, if I say I'm an alcoholic and if I stop drinking, I would be a happier person. They understand that. But it's it's like lifting the whole world in themselves to actually carry that through. Because the reason, say, somebody might be drinking is more than just logic. There's all sorts of triggers yeah. and things that weigh on them that keep them in that groove, that pattern of behavior. And, I mean, a simple stupid example I want to tell folks about is uh, when I make dinner these days and I leave my food on the coffee table, I immediately have the thought of, oh, I, I can't leave it there. Gimli, the red and fuzzy big booty Buddha, will eat it. But Gimli moved away with my brother. And I have to go, oh, man. That's not real. And so I'm having to train my mind that, no, when I drop something on the floor, it's not going to be eaten by him. He's not the clean cleaning machine that is Mr. Gimli, the red and fuzzy big booty Buddha, 85-pound Labrador retriever, Fox Red. He's not there anymore to clean up after me. So I have to retrain my mind. But speaking of Gimli, I'm working on getting either a cat or a dog, but... I still love that little guy, and he's not so little anymore, but I remember when he's a teeny-weeny little puppy, and still as a puppy had this chill temperament. So I wanted to send Gimli a care package down in Dothan. So I stopped by a wonderful place. Let me guess, on the Atlanta Highway. On Atlanta Highway, yes. Just, just, just past up near, from Faulkner yeah, exactly. in that little shopping center. Yeah, that tiny little shopping center. Four healthy pets. And I went and saw Teresa. Teresa is wonderful. And I swear, like, I am heartbroken. It's like I've lost. It's, it's like I'm an empty nester. Gimli is like a family member to me. And that's exactly how Teresa treats her pets. In fact, if you go buy four healthy pets on Atlanta Highway, you'll get to meet some of her pets. In fact, the two black cats. Let me see if I can get their, their names right. One they called Mouse. Uh, Technically, the cat's name is Penelope, but they call it Mouse because of how she squirms around the the baseboards Mm -hmm. and greets customers. But then there's Jethro, full name, and this is the most glorious name ever. He has got the greatest name. And, Teresa, you're brilliant for this. Leroy Jethro Gibbs. I love it. I love it. so just outgoing and wonderful cat. And so I stopped by four healthy pets, and Teresa put together a little care package for Gimli, the red and fuzzy big booty Buddha. And I got to my brother, and Gimli love. It was like these little roll-up. They look like rawhide, but rawhide is not, no, it's not good for dogs. No, it's it not. It was all natural salmon. He loved it. And here's the thing. It's not that he just loved the taste. It, Teresa really understands. It's like people. And I'm on this big kick where eat real food, organic food. Make yourself a real meal. Care about what you put in your body. Don't kind of lazily just go buy the cheapest thing. Same idea with your pets. Get them real, high quality, whether it's kind of uh, raw, like freeze-dried kind of like turkey that you can reconstitute. But it's still the natural turkey bits. Mm -hmm. Turkey meat is great for dogs. and. Whether it's a dog or a cat or something else, I mean, if you give them real food, they're going to be healthier. They're going to be happier. And, you know, Joey, what what I don't understand is that, that as much as people, and I interact with as many people as you do, and the love they have for their pets, and then they will go to a box store yep. and just buy, you know, 
the cheapest, I won't throw a name out there, but just give me some food to feed to my dog. Right. And, I mean, it's, it, it really is floor sweepings, and it's, I mean, there's no, it's not FDA-approved dog food, no, it. I knew, I know a woman and who And they took, check that stuff. At Four Healthy Pets, they check that stuff. They, it is complete opposite of, of a big box store experience, because she sources all the products she puts in her store. Because she's taking care of her own family members, her pets in her life. And she wants to have the same treatment for your pets, your family members, your little... Well, I don't know how much I love the fur babies. Uh, but you want to make sure that pet is getting exactly what they need. Because I know a woman who took in a cat now has a thyroid disease. Because the person who owned the cat before fed them that crap from China. Or, or just the mass-produced stuff that isn't all natural, isn't healthy. So Teresa's been helping me with Gimli. And I'll finally one day replace him. I'll have to move on. But also, just treat your pet right. And it's a great experience. Go meet the the mascots there at Four Healthy Pets. Again, on Atlanta Highway, right next to Faulkner. Love Jethro. And, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place, folks. So go check out Four Healthy Pets. And uh, thank you, Teresa, for being a sponsor. Open Monday through Friday, 10 to 6 p.m., 10 in the morning to 6 p.m., and 10 to 4 on Saturdays. And she really is wonderful. Just go chat with her and you'll see exactly why you need to go to four healthy pets it's a good local small business a great person um and she has a great taste in radio obviously mm-hmm. if she's advertising on the joey clark radio hour yeah. she has to have well, great taste in radio you have to say advertising on news and views isn't bad either too i mean no. baron's a good guy i mean he's sometimes he gets a little wacky with you, his yeah you his did global charades but you know you just kind of just took his title as king of the segway though with that one right there i mean mm-hmm. you, you kill that one. Oh yeah well <laughs> it's, it's called content marketing and i'm not saying that you have to but folks if you care about your pets go to four healthy pets because it's for your healthy pets um oh man i am so tired tonight <laughs> i really <laughs> I can am tell. I am so tired. I don't know what the deal is. I think it is the weird week and the long weekend. There's something about vacation sometimes where it's more exhausting than your normal routine. It is. Um, now, before we hit a break here, um, do you have any questions tonight? I don't want you to ask them now. But do you have any questions for me? Uh, well, I got one, but it absolutely has not a flipping thing to do with anything we said so far. Okay, that's cool. It's, I mean, it's, it's way on the other side. We'll do it so. after the break, but let's see who this is patiently waiting on the phone. New stock, you're on there. Who's this? Hey, Debbie. Hey, that's Debbie. So hey, Debbie. Well, you know, you were talking about a really good subject that I absolutely can um, definitely get into. When you're saying that it, a lot of things are from the brain, you know, just thinking it, we can do it, etc., I tell my grandsons all the time, I tell, you know, they wake up in a bad mood, they're, you know, fighting, whatever. I said, you know, you're going to create your own world today and every day. What do you want? Do you want chaos, anger, Mm -hmm. all these negative things? Or do you want something pleasant? Do you want to go out and enjoy your, your day? I said, you're the one that's creating it. Yeah. Somebody else may try to aggravate you and make it a bad day, but it's up to you on how you react to it. Right. So, well, and I think is- if you change your own personal habits to more mm-hmm. beneficial behavior, creative behavior, that actually helps you flourish and feel good, whether it's diet oh, yeah. and exercise or what you watch, what you consume in terms of media. There's all sorts of things that you can do, and if you change your own life, the amount that that will actually change the world more than not looking after yourself and yelling about other people, that, I mean, and I'm, again, looking in the mirror here. It, it, it will do wonders and have an amazing ripple effect. And I think, I think you make a wonderful point there, Joey, is it's as much about you as what's being said or done to you or said about you or what have you. I mean, the way that you perceive something and what you're telling yourself, and I think that's what Debbie's saying, is, you know, that's you can control... The story you tell yourself. You can control so much of your life that you 
want to it's easier to lay that blame on someone else well they did this or to me. some force beyond like not even other people but like you know something happened in my life right right, right. But, but what did you do with that because exactly. i mean we have a saying in our house and it's it's mm-hmm. it's not ugly but i i even tell my children no. from a young age can't never did a damn thing mm. don't let me right. hear you say the word i can't you, you don't know, say I. You can say I tried and failed. I can uh-huh. live with that. It's hard, but I can live with. But don't tell me I can't because I you don't know until you try. Totally agree with that. I, I I'm totally on board with you. And you know the one thing that my mother's grandmother who raised her told her: you can create heaven on this earth right now, or you can create hell on this right now just like you can when you leave here so whatever it is that you want you better be focusing your mind towards that and don't worry about everything else because it's just outside interference you got to keep yourself focused on the right attitude you know you're just going to end up happier if you do and there's just no two ways around it i mean you know if you let somebody and i'm saying allow you got to know you're empowering yourself you right. are actually in control. You yeah. are the the main person, correct? Right. Preaching, you know, Debbie. So, yeah. So do it the right way because you're going to be the one that's going to, unfortunately or fortunately, reap the rewards of what you're doing. Yeah, so because, make it a good one. Because when, when you blame someone else for your uh, the, the situation you're in, you're blaming someone else. And that's giving them the power over you. Right. That's why I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm not a starting quarterback for the football team because I suck at football. It's because the coach doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, right. I didn't make a bad grade because I'm stupid and didn't study. I made a bad grade because the teacher doesn't like me and they didn't right. do it right. And right. you're passing the blame on and giving them the power instead of taking responsibility exactly. for your own actions. Well, and Debbie, thank and you so much for the call. I oh, really appreciate it. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, guys. Have All right, a good Debbie. Day. Have a good night. Bye-bye. But I have to make the point, given that we kind of agree with these things, being self-directed and you know telling yourself a, a narrative, a story about yourself when you look in the mirror that will help you in your life, that is productive for lack of a better word. How much of our politics, and I'm talking about Democrats, I'm talking about Republicans, I'm talking about progressives, conservatives, libertarians, I'm talking about everybody. How much of our political rhetoric and the stories we tell ourselves, politically speaking, actually live up to that thing we just laid out? Don't blame others Use your own independent mind to better your own situation to the best of your ability. 0.01%. Very little. Most of political rhetoric is blaming somebody else, some scapegoat. Yeah. Somebody else or some force. Like, oh, this economy sucks. I mean, and this economy is actually pretty good. But you know what I mean. The politics of resentment and blaming other people is pervasive it it, it, it is it and it sounds me it's dangerous too it because, is because ideas don't get discussed yes we're in power and it's it's really to me it is somewhat a little bit frightening because from back i don't know it goes back a ways now but there's been one party in control uh for a long time now uh and it's it's this false it to me it seems like a false fight that they're having yes the party that's not in control they're if uh, they're screaming i mean perfect example is health care they voted like 17 times to repeal Obamacare. And the second that the Republicans got in power, the exact same bill comes up to repeal Obamacare, and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. So what was was the 17 votes earlier? That was wrestling. We're going to pretend to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Now we're the good guy. 
And that's kind of where politics are. It's bad faith. And by bad faith, I mean people play their role. That it's like, oh, because it's my role to play, then I'm not going to say what I genuinely believe because it'll leave me open to more criticism. I'm going to play the role that, like, I'm always right and you're always wrong. Yeah, Chuck Schumer's out saying that that Donald Trump should be impeached right now. Do you really think he's pissed off about the fact that uh, his his stocks have gone up 236% since no, Donald Trump was electric, he's pit- elected. The one thing he's pissed about and what most people are pissed about is their party's not in power. They want the power. You know what, though, Joey? I think you're wrong there. Yeah? I don't think... I do not think he's pissed off about that. Oh, maybe that's... I think yeah, yeah. he's playing the role because I actually called this a few smart things I ever said back in 2010 when they passed Obamacare. Hmm. I called it. The Republicans were just as happy that Obamacare got passed as the Democrats were. Mm-hmm. They pretended to fight it. They pretended they didn't like it. They were just waiting for their chance to be in power where they could control it. Because once you control it, then you control votes. You stay in power. And yeah. I, I want to cheer up after Well, maybe this. you know, anger isn't the right word, but... Uh I think there is a, a corrupting nature to power that's corrupted a lot of our political discussions. And it leads Absol- people... What does absolute power do? Oh, corrupts absolutely. That's what I thought. Well, it, Wise it, man It also that. attracts the already corrupted. I want a more cheery song coming out of this break. <laughs> but this is so grown and sexy and I like it. a southern wood request and i'm on this new kick where i'm trying to really appreciate the people who helped me through my life now mr 84 mr southern wood you said you have a question for me Let's get this going. Let's pick up the energy a little bit, baby. I do. Well, and this is, I mean, this is completely off topic. So this is like two different, completely different shows. Okay. Uh, I remember, uh, I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago or something. I, I heard it. I think it was on your show. It may have been something else. But the statement was made, when is enough enough? I mean, why, why do you need that much? Hmm, yeah. Okay, talking about, you know, making money and how much you're worth and all that. When When is enough enough? in your opinion, Joey. Mm. What's your number? Uh-uh. There, there no, is that's, no... that's another way I've heard the question asked. Uh, especially people who hit it big. Now, I'm still... I, I'm going to be I, honest. A hundred thousand trillion or whatever. Sure, but when is enough enough? I'm going to be honest. I'll have trouble answering this question because I'm still at that point where I'm like, $40,000? Fifty thousand—that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And usually, the people who ask this question are the people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like they—they they have their career together to where they are making a lot of money, and they could continue to make a lot of money. But they need to prioritize in their life. Okay, what's the number? And then everything else is kind of gravy. I'll do what I want. And but I would say that there are studies out there. That show that you make seventy five a year, you can be really, really happy. Now, I would also say you make more than that, you could be happier. You could also be more miserable. It's not the money doing the thing. It's like, are you wise enough to use that more money? Say you make a million dollars. Are you wise enough to put it to use for, again, productive means? It's not the money, folks. It's, again, back to that space in between your ears, that mind. But I mean, you you hear it you hear it put out there that I mean, good lord, you know th- this dude is is worth a hundred million dollars, 
and you know he's got an issue with whatever it is i mean when is enough enough that's the way i'm looking at it is i mean why would you even need any more i mean look you've already got a hundred million dollars why is a hundred million dollars not enough right right is is that enough And, and you're talking about putting a number on it have you become a communist all of a sudden or a socialist no. Why has there got to be a number attached? I'm talking about a personal. To enough des- is enough. I'm saying a, a personal decision for somebody. Say that you make five hundred grand a year, and you think I'm working a lot to make that five hundred grand. So, what's my number? Is more a personal decision of how many years do I want to spend in my life working myself to the bone to make this ridiculous salary? Okay. Is it when I have $10 million in the bank? When can I be comfortable in my own mind? Okay. And it's good to set that for yourself personally because that allows you to think things through clearly. It's kind of a, a, a symbol for, oh, I can maybe change my ha- habits and patterns in my own life now. Okay. Well, I, di- I didn't phrase the question properly. I'm, I'm not a wordsmith like you are. Uh-huh. The the way that I heard when is enough enough, it wasn't the the idea of a personal decision, have I done enough? It was like this dude is doing something to make more money and he's already worth a hundred million dollars and now he's trying to pinch this guy out so he'll be worth a hundred and fifty million dollars he's got enough money now he shouldn't be doing that hmm. he's got enough no I, I don't think of it that way do you think there's ever a point where an individual can make the decision or that I don't think you should make it for other people, no. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I, that's what I was getting down I to. I really do believe, and I mean, this goes all the way back to one of my favorites, Epicurus. He talked about you will be unhappy because his number one goal in life is happiness, or really it's ataraxia, tranquility of the mind, relaxation of the body. So he says, if you pursue sex, fame, power, money, you're and that's those are like your overriding goals. That's what really motivates you in life. It motivates everybody to a certain extent, but that's like your goal, your northern star, your north star. Then you're going to be probably really unhappy for all sorts of complicated reasons. Because, like, but say money and power. To get a lot of money and power, at a certain point, it can start to manage you. It becomes a creature outside of your own control. There's actually, um, it's a great new show. I don't know if people would always agree with the politics, but LeBron James has a show on HBO called The Shop now, where it's him hanging around with a bunch of other, like, famous celebrities or star athletes, like in the NFL and the NBA, and they're talking about their lives. And this when is enough enough question can be applied to money, and they were having that conversation that once you make a certain amount of money, you can sometimes, if you're not mature enough or wise enough with it, it can start to control you. You get so used to those habits and keeping up with the Joneses and having the latest new stuff and that it'll really... And also, all sorts of people that you've got got mouths to feed who are hangers-on that are used to you bringing in the money so you can pay them and you feel guilty if you can't pay them anymore, take care of them, or you want to have a certain standard of living for your family... But there's another aspect to it. Uh, John Stewart made this point. They said, why did you decide to retire? Because he, and as much as I disagree probably with John Stewart's politics, John Stewart was awesome on The Daily Show. Very funny guy. Yeah, he, he was. Very funny guy. And they said, why did you decide to retire? And he said, I started making creative decisions out of laziness. That I wasn't hungry and passionate and wanting to put on the best performance. I was like, nah, instead of rehearsing that segment a bunch of times, let's just do it on the fly. And I don't want to get hair and makeup done. I just want to wear normal street clothes. (laughs) It's like, okay, if I've reached that point to where now this job that I've done for 18, 19 years, I'm making decisions out of laziness, eh, it's maybe time for me to step aside and let somebody else who's hungry have a shot at it because I've done it enough. If I'm feeling lazy in the job, it's a sign that something isn't meaningful, something isn't right. It's not going to leave me 
to a happy place. Yeah. And I think he, he, listening to him, he quit at the right time. He said, I could have kept going and I would have quit like miserable. Think about like Dave Letterman, how he retired. Those last few years of Letterman were terrible. Well, and I, but I, I, you know, that's something different than I've got going through my head because entertainment, yes, it is very valuable and it's worth something. Okay. But, but entertainment, you're not producing something. I'm going to big corporations. I'm going to the Facebooks, mm-hmm. the you know, the Zuckerbergs and and uh, the Henry Fords. I mean, what if he just made the Model T and said, "Hey, you know, this is fine. I'm I, I'm I'm." selling you know a hundred cars a year and i can feed my family great what if he didn't have that desire to go farther and make more he didn't have a desire to put everybody in uh, a comfortable riding vehicle his desire was to an affordable sell to cars right and well, this he, is, he perfected yeah. the 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 process of engineering these vehicles yes. and making better vehicles, and and so you would want to buy a different one, or you know a, when another company came on, and I think that's a great driving force are these few people that want to manufacture something. Create and something. sports are fine. I love sports. I absolutely adore sports. But, you know, LeBron James, I mean, nothing personally about him. He's no different than any other athlete. Mm-hmm. He's out there throwing a ball through a hoop is what he's doing. It's not necessarily Better than most people who have ever done it. Exactly. I mean, he's he's one of the, you know, top five no, ball players is, of all time. What are, what are professional sports? And what is college sports? What is? I think entertainment does create something. I mean, if without entertainment, it gives uh, life us, gets really boring. It gives us something to do, but I mean, uh, that's where I think the argument starts from: is really are you really worth what you're doing? Because they look at a LeBron James that is just gifted by God through genetics mm-hmm. to be almost superhuman. Right? They can run faster, jump higher. And has better, you know, muscle memory than most anybody on the planet at this point. That, they look at him like you would the head, a CEO at a Fortune 500 company, and say, "Well, you know, it is ridiculous that that you got 11 million dollars as a bonus at your company." Well, no, it's not, mm-hmm. because actually, the Fortune 500 CEO. He's managing a company that is returning profit back to hundreds of thousands of people I'll, I'll, I'll stick on stock for, prices. But I'll stick it for LeBron. So is, he, so is LeBron James. He's bringing in all sorts of money for his team, for his franchise. He is bringing eyeballs to any television company that wants to cover them, any product that they want to put on him. It is eyeballs on it. It is he, his brand, his image, and a lot of entertainers do this. If you understand, Trump did this. If you understand yourself as a brand, what you create is opportunity for other people to reach people, whether it's a product or a service. So I think they are creating a lot. And LeBron is physically a, a freak, man. But I don't think LeBron James would be where he is today if he didn't have what we've been talking about all show. That internal voice that says, I can do more and be better. And it's not out of, I got to make more money. It's not out of like some sort of prideful thing. It's more out of, no, this is what I do. And I want to be the best that's ever done. Oh, you just said a dirty word. Best. Yeah, you're not supposed to be the best. You're supposed to be the same. Is everybody? No, nah, man. I'm Nick, a, look, look. No, I'm a Pokemon kid, man. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. No, if you're the best, that means there's somebody not as good as you, and you're going to hurt their feelings if you do that. Uh, but I isn't thought it you inter- were a millennial. But isn't it interesting how that 
that reality of there is such a thing as excellence and you can do more really spits in the face of, I think, a crude version of everybody must be equal and everything must be the same. It, and I think a lot of so-called egalitarians, too, recognize this contradiction because they don't like it when people fail. They don't like it when things go to crap, when their car doesn't work or whatever, when a basketball game's crappy and people aren't playing well. People like it when they see somebody doing something we've never seen before. There are two different reactions. There's the folks who are like, well, why do we need it? We got mo- you know, Model T cars. Why do we need a faster car and a more comfortable car? But then there's also the folks that when your imagination is caught up in it, that makes you realize, okay, there is a better way. And I I try to be more on the side of let's see what the new thing is. Not just because it's new, but is it actually providing something better for people? I, this when is enough enough question, it's so broad. It is, it is a lot a, of different ways to come at this. It's an extremely broad question. Yeah. But that's just the way I heard it was, you know, this guy, well, why does he need more? And, I want to I bring it, though, to, um, to a topic that's often on this show. Uh, sex. Now, this isn't my own life, unfortunately. Uh, but I read a book when I was younger called The Game, a guy named Neil Strauss. Um, and where he was a pretty successful writer and journalist, uh, written a book or two, um, well-educated, but he never had a girlfriend. And he had no idea. He was this nerdy, introverted, self-loathing guy who didn't know how to talk to women. And so he was tasked to go get a story on these so-called pickup artists. And he actually learns the tricks of the trade. And he starts learning the wrong lesson from that not to be like self-empowered and go find you know the right wife but he starts sleeping with like hundreds of women and then he meets Hugh Hefner and he's already in his own mind feeling a bit uh, stretched then from you know before he had never been able to talk to a woman at a bar now he's like incredibly gifted in the art of persuasion and getting people, charming people out of their pants. Mm-hmm. But he's realizing that power a few years in is uh, of being able to sleep with most anybody is not really fulfilling. And he meets Hefner. And he asks Hefner, when's enough enough? When does it end? This desire for somebody new, a new person to hook up with. And Hefner says, I believe I'm saying this correctly from the book, uh, in a resigned way, not a happy way, it's never enough. That's a certain kind of hell when you and whatever you're lusting after, whether it's sex or whether it's money or it's power, and it's never enough, but it's also a dead end. It doesn't lead you to create something beautiful and new. It kind of just leads you back into the same old habit. And it's insatiable. And I've I've got the answer to when is enough enough. Okay. You know I've always got the answer. Mm-hmm. You don't. You'd ever ask a question you don't have the answer to. Right. Okay. And it actually just came to me. Whatever you say, Southern what, what do you got? The answer to when is enough enough is when you're successful. Hmm. Now it is up to Joey Clark. It's up to Clay Sharp. To say I am successful. It's up to everybody out there listening what means success. For me, Mm. excuse me, uh, for me personally, success for me personally is relationships. And whether that be with my children, my wife, my friends that I've met, I was told once, somebody said this, somebody, is that true wealth is not measured by the amount of money you have. It's measured by the amount of things you have, which no amount of money could possibly purchase. Hmm. And I feel like I'm a wealthy man because I have lots of things that no amount of, mo- no amount of money could purchase my friendships. Well, and I have to say, it depends on what you choose to be obsessed with. Like, 
it's bad when you get caught up in always chasing the dollar or chasing more alcohol, say. But when you're always trying to have a good time with your wife and kids, you're always trying to hang out with your friends, always trying to make, say, beautiful music or entertain people and be the best in a sport, or that maybe is something good to be obsessed with. And there's never enough of that.